Well, if you've been with us, you realize we're going through Psalm 139 this semester. Um, and if you just can't, if you can't hear me in the back, just wave or something, and I'll, I'll be a little louder. Um, we've been going through Psalm 139, and actually, we're at the end of it tonight. We've got one more sold in two weeks, and if you've been with us, we've been talking about Psalm 139 and the life of David who wrote the psalm. And so what we're going to do in two weeks' time is we're going to kind of wrap up David's life, see one of the things that happened towards the end that's recorded in Scripture for us. But tonight, we're going to finish up Psalm 139. So, quick recap. What have we seen this semester in this psalm? Well, we've seen that, you know, we've seen that God is worth it, We've seen that God will fight for us in the story of David and Goliath. We've seen that God is with us. We've seen that God made us. And so we've seen all this, and we have all this in mind. And when we come to the last verses, verses 19 through 24 in the psalm, they seem a little different. They seem a little odd. They're not quite what we expect. And so to help us understand what's going on, I'm going to read the entire psalm for us so we can get an idea of all of this together. So let me read for us Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. And then our passage for tonight. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to come to your word. Thank you for the encouragement that Psalm 139 is. Would you help us to understand what David is saying as the psalm comes to a close, and encourage us by the promises that you've made to us in your word. Now, I know everybody has a friend like this, or maybe you're this friend yourself, but when you're joking around... You always have the person who takes it just a bit too far, right? There's always that person. You're all joking and having fun, and somebody just takes it just a bit too far, and you say, that was too far. Well, we come to this passage in Psalm 139, and if we're honest, we're kind of thinking that of David. Like, 
all right, David, I've been hearing what you're saying. It all makes sense. And then you say, oh, would you slay the wicked, oh God? And we think that, that's, just, that's just a little bit too far, right? And so we have to understand what is David saying? What is going on? Why would he finish the psalm this way? Well, because of who God is, because of the beauty of who God is, we should fight against evil, both in ourselves, both in the world, and in ourselves. So because of who God is, we need to fight against evil, both in the world and in ourselves. So we need to see David's words in light of that. So first, we need to fight against evil in the world. That's the first few verses, verses 19 to 22. Let me read those again. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. So this is amazing that David is saying this. We're saying, what is going on, right? Well, if you've been reading with us in our reading plan, reading 1 and 2 Samuel, or if you know something about David's life, people are out to kill him. People are actually out for his blood. Right? People want to kill him because he's the king of Israel. And the thing is, they don't want to kill him just for who he is. They want to kill him because he's following God. These people aren't opposed to David so much as they're actually opposed to God himself. You see, these people are breaking God's law. Now, God's law is all over the Bible, but where's the best place to look at it? Where's the best place to see it? That's in the Ten Commandments. And so these people are breaking some of those commandments. They're taking the Lord's name in vain. That's the third commandment. They're also out for David's blood. They want to commit murder, right? That's the sixth commandment. And so they're breaking God's law. And the thing is, David is opposed to these people because they're opposed to God. They're opposed to the goodness of God, the God who knows David, the God who's with David, the God who never leaves or forsakes David. He says, if they're against you, I should be against them. He's opposed to them. But if that's David's experience, that's probably not our experience. I don't remember the last time somebody was out for my blood, right? You? It's just not what happens nowadays. Nobody's out to do that with us. And I think that we read a passage like this, and it's kind of hard to understand because I think the world around us says that pretty much people are good, right? If left to themselves, if if you're educated enough, if you make the right choices, you're, you're pretty much a good person, and you're not an evil person. But the thing is, the Bible says otherwise about us and about our hearts. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 3 says, No one understands. No one does good. No one seeks God. Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have broken God's command. And so clearly there's evil in the world also. We would not doubt that, right? There's world wars, there's starvation, there's poverty, there's abortion. There's all these things that we would say, yes, this is clearly evil. For example, on the average day, eight Christians around the world are are killed for their faith, right? They face some kind of persecution. Maybe that's not what we're experiencing, but that happens still. But also there's small things. There's little evils that sometimes we don't put on the big scale, but are still evil, are still breaking God's laws. Things like cheating on a boyfriend or girlfriend or lying or stealing or, you know, small things. They're still breaking God's law. They're still breaking God's commands. And so, as God's people, just like David, we're supposed to fight against evil in the world. But the question is, how do we do that, right? How are we supposed to do that? Well, in Romans 12, it puts it this way. We overcome evil with good. If people are disobeying God's command and God's law, 
We overcome evil by obedience to God's commands, through the spreading of the gospel, through serving others in the church and outside the church. Uh, many of you have probably seen or read The Hobbit. You know, when you saw it as a movie, there were three different parts. So there's a great quote. I don't know which movie it's from, but it's from one of the three Hobbit movies. But Gandalf is talking about The Hobbits, and he says this. He says, I have found that it is the small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay, small acts of kindness and love. Because we tend to think, right, there's so much evil in the world. There's so many big, difficult things going on that what am I supposed to do with that? But God is calling us to overcome evil with good, with obedience. But it's also important to see that, that these are things that are effective. The things we do are effective because God is at work over everything. Right? When, when David looks at these people and says, oh, these people are wicked because they're against God, he says this, oh God, would you slay the wicked? Would you pronounce judgment? David isn't taking this judgment upon himself. He's saying, God, I leave this judgment to you. He's not being like Batman. He's not seeking out vigilante justice, right? But rather, he's leaving God's work to God and being obedient and what he can be obedient to. But here's the problem. If those passages are true that I read from other places in the Bible, if all of us have sinned, if our hearts are deceitful, what about ourselves? What about me? How can I possibly do this, right? I've definitely broken God's commands. What what do we make of that? This is where the second point comes into play, that we also need a hatred of evil in ourselves. And this is verses 23 and 24. Let me read it for us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So David was speaking about the evil of others, but now he speaks of the evil himself. He says, Lord, it's not just evil out there that's a problem, and it is a problem, but there's also evil in here. He says, so search me, so know me, right? Know the evil in my heart and mind. If we remember all the way back to the beginning verse of the psalm, it says, oh Lord, you have searched me, you have known me, right? And because of the way the Lord knows, he's going to know these things. But David says, know my fears, know my cares, know my worries, know the dark places of my heart and mind, and don't just know them, but see if there's any grievous or painful or wicked way in me and then lead me instead in the way everlasting. Lead me in the righteous way. Another way to translate this is lead me in the ancient way. Lead me in the way of obedience. I'm sure some of you are fans of the Mandalorian out there. And the one quote that occurs over and over is this is the way, right? He has this way as a Mandalorian that he needs to follow no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is. And his response, this is the way. And I can't help but thinking about that when we come to this, this passage of the ancient, the everlasting way that God is, is leading David and leading us in. But David is also speaking from experience when he's talking about the evil in his own heart and mind. Many of you probably know this story, but in, in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, he commits the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, and then he murders her, her husband Uriah. That way he can marry Bathsheba and have a child. And it's terrible. It's really bad right? He himself is breaking multiple commandments at the time. He's not obeying God. He's not following God. And so he's saying, God, search me and know me. And he has this psalm in Psalm 51 about his confession about his sin, right? And so what about for us? What do we do? Well, we need to be praying the same prayer like David, Lord, search me, know me, know my fears, know my cares, know my insecurities, know my secrets, 
Know the dark places of my heart and mind. And the Lord sees those, but he wants you to bring those to him. Ask the Lord to show the evil and sinful ways in you. That's a bold prayer. That's a very bold prayer. But then also, don't just stop there. Ask God to lead you in the everlasting way. Give these things over to him. Pray the prayer of Psalm 51 like David. Make it known to other people. Make it known to trusted parents. Make it known to your leaders. Make it known to good Christian mentors so that you're not walking this everlasting path, this righteous way alone. People love you. People want to come alongside you and help you. But maybe you're still saying, that's all great, but I could never come clean. I could never be known like that. If you really knew me, you wouldn't want to know me. If you really knew me, you wouldn't love me, right? That's what we think about. When we start to think about the evil that's in us, the deceit that's in us, you say, maybe if God really knew me, which he does, he must not really like me. He must not really want me. I know, his, I know the Bible says that he loves me, but how can he possibly do that, right? But we know there is forgiveness and hope. After David sins with Bathsheba, when he's talking it over with the prophet Nathan, Nathan says to David, the Lord has put your sin away. He's put it away. He's left it behind. All right? How can we have that assurance? How can we know that? That's what I want. You know, I'm sure that's what we want. Well, we see this happen in Jesus. This is all about who Jesus is. Because he was also the king. He was descended from David. He was actually descended directly from David and Bathsheba, believe it or not. But he never disobeyed God's command. There was no evil in him. And yet he paid for evil with the death that we deserve. He paid on the cross. He took judgment that we deserve. Right? We deserve death and he took it upon himself to bring us back to God. And he did all this knowing our sin, knowing the sin of his disciples, knowing the people that would leave him and abandon him. But yet he still went to the cross, knowing all of this. And he came also to make an end to all evil, both in the world and in ourselves. And he, and he do this, does this in three ways, three ways that he puts an end to all sin and evil. First, through his death. As I've said, for those who believe, if you believe in Jesus, whatever sin you have is forgiven. The Lord puts that away and allows us to walk in the everlasting way. Second, by his spirit. See, when we believe in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit, the very power of God, the third person of the Trinity, to help us and renew our heart and mind. There's a thing called the Westminster Catechism, which is a bunch of question and answers about the faith. And it talks about what being more holy, but becoming more and more holy is like. And it uses the phrase, more and more dying unto sin and living unto righteousness. And this is the Christian life, that more and more we expose the areas of our heart to God that we don't want other people to see and recognize and realize that there's forgiveness, there's hope, that we can be made right with God through what Jesus has done. But thirdly, and finally, in Jesus' return, he will get rid of all sin, evil, and death. If you were with us this morning in church, we talked about this. God is putting an end to all wickedness. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, when there's going to be no mourning, no no crying, no pain anymore, all the former evil things will pass away. And the reality is we can't do any of these things ourselves. We're called to oppose evil in the world. We're called to oppose evil in ourselves. But we can only do this on the foundation of what Jesus has done. 
because he's taken our sin, he's put it away, he loves us, and he knows us. Our sins are forgiven in him. We need this foundation. And see, because of who God is, and because of what he's done in Jesus, that's why we fight against evil. That's why we fight against evil in the world and in ourselves. This is why, that's why David can be so strongly opposed to evil, because these people are opposed to God. And he wants to live righteously. He wants to live well. Now, we, re- we, we sang this morning, or this, uh, this evening, Be Thou My Vision. I know it's familiar probably to a lot of you. But often when I see this hymn sung recently, I've seen a, a verse that's often taken out. And that's the third verse we sang, which says, Be thou my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thou my dignity, thou my delight. Thou my soul's shelter, thou my high tower. Raise thou me heavenward, O power of my power. Right? People kind of take it out because it's got some warfare language in it and we're not sure what we think about that. But if we're honest, the Bible talks about the Christian life as a struggle, right? A struggle that God will give ultimate victory over, but a struggle in the present nonetheless. And so this Christian life is a journey on the everlasting ancient way. And as we are doing that, we fight against evil. We need God's grace. We need the spiritual armor that the New Testament talks about because we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of this present darkness, right? We don't have flesh and blood enemies in the same way that David did, although we have people that we don't like very much, right? We don't have people out for our blood, but there is evil in this world that we're called to oppose as Christians and fight against as Christians by our obedience. And it is so great and so good that we can go back again to God day after day and say, you are my soul's shelter. You are my high tower. You are my place of safety. So whatever you've been through this semester, this year, three years, four years, five years, your your whole life, whatever has happened, you can go back again and again to God and know he is my soul's shelter. And I am welcomed with open arms as a child of the king because of what Jesus has done. And so because of that, because of who God is, because of his greatness, because of his power, his goodness, and his love, because of all he's done, this is why we in turn fight against evil, both in the world and in ourselves. And we know as we do that, that the victory is sure in Jesus. And this is our hope in the Christian life. This is the hope of Psalm 139, the hope of who God is, the beauty of the Christian gospel, and all the things that Jesus has done. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that through Jesus you have put our sin away. You have put it far behind, as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for this encouragement, Lord, but would you sink this truth deeper and deeper into our hearts and minds? Lord, a lot of times we have doubt that, well, Lord, you you can't mean this sin, you can't mean this evil thought or evil desire, but you do. Lord, would you help us to wrestle with our sin? Would you help us to pray the prayer of David to search us, to know us, to see if there be grievous ways in us? Lord, be with us now as we talk in small groups, as we work this out in our daily life. And Lord, help us all to be encouraged and to know that we can always go to you. You are our soul's shelter, a high tower, and that you are raising us heavenward by the grace given to us in Jesus. Amen.